0: Pastor Joel is not here with us today, but we're going to do it anyway. Are you ready to study God's Word today? <laughs> He'll get a kick out of that. Thank you for your response. I am Pastor Drew Donovan, and I'm the youth and young adult pastor here. Where are my teens? Got some students in. Come on. like. Yay, they hear me enough. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm excited to be here this morning and I'm excited to wrap up our series called, What If? Um, three words that, that can have a great impact and, and three word question that is filled with possibility this morning, what if? So what is our question this morning? Our question is really quite simple. What if our words were key to our mission, What if the words that we say, the words that come out of our mouth, you know, you know, we talk a lot, we spend a lot of time using our tongue and our mouth, and we frame and speak, and, and things come out, good or bad, things come out. And uh, sometimes with me, it's, it's un- we're unsure. <laughs> and there's a, I'm ad-libbing right now, and i got to get back to my nose. All right, so here's the thing. What if our words were key to our mission? The question is... What if our words helped us to do what this church is set out to do, and that is, you can say it with me, right? It's on the screen. God's love in us to the world. God's love in us to the world. What if our words were key to that? What if the things that we said had a great and profound impact on this? In fact, what if we actually surrendered those words? What if we were able to surrender our words to God And say what he has in store for us to say. What if we surrendered our mouth to him? What if we even surrendered our freedom of speech? What if we surrendered our right to say whatever we want, instead understanding that God wants to say things through and in us with our lives? What if it really was, as we sing, his breath in our lungs? How would our speech be different if we really could say this that it's your breath in my lungs that I sing God if how how does that make us talk differently in the world last week Joel talked to us about prayer which is a a form of speaking at times when we do it corporately and and at times we pray out loud at times we pray in our hearts but he talked about being part of the work of God and he talked about a theology of synergy How, believe it or not, or whether it makes sense to us or not, God has chosen to use us in synergy with Him, in cooperation with Him in His work in this world, that we are His instruments and partners with Him. And so our mission, God's mission, through us requires some things of us, and it it asks us to do things in a specific way. So what if our words were key to our mission? You know, when I was a young teenager, I... I was a pretty good kid, I went to church, I was a Christian, I became a Christian at a young age, but I had questions about the way we speak, and I was very curious, because I believe that God cared about what we speak, the third commandment says not to take the Lord's name in vain, and it means that we don't misrepresent God in all that we do and say, um, that we should represent Him with integrity. And so I knew that there was a principle in the Bible about the way that we speak, and I wanted to know more, and I wanted to understand, how much does God really care about our words? How much does God really care about the way we speak? And so I did something unusual today. I used a book, and I used pen, and I used highlighters, and this is my Bible from my teen years. It's well worn out and used. I'm proud to say that I spent a lot of time in this student bible with snowboarding stickers on it and all kinds of wild oh i've even got an old Poly mountain sticker back there i just any oh no that's sugarloaf sorry um i was an avid snowboarder as a teenager and and so this book was central to my life and i believe it's central to our church and ours today and so i took the time and this page here shows all of the scripture references that i found in the new testament and and I did the old testament as well and I went through and I looked for every scripture that spoke about the words that we use and what God says about how we speak because it mattered to me and I wanted to know God's heart on this matter and I found more than 50 references in the new testament alone and many many more in the in the old testament and we're going to look at some of those scriptures today and we're going to look at this concept throughout scripture about how What we say matters and just read a few of them um, that stood out to me first ephesians 4 29 says this do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen it's a profound thing to be an encourager this is you know we can kind of focus on the do not which is important right but it's, it's really about what we should do here this morning, that we should build each other up. I have a couple notes here from, if you could read this, it says, from the desk of Dr. Laurel Buckingham. Uh, and I had the privilege of working with Dr. B for a year here last, uh, uh, before Joel came, and, uh, two years ago. And it was a, a privilege and an honor, but I'll never forget the notes twice that he wrote significantly, took the time to encourage me in my ministry and thank me for things that I was doing. I have about three of those in 20 years of ministry. Two of them came from him. That's a gift. Those are things I I keep. In fact, I was in his office this week and he was sharing about someone else, um, a significant church leader who profoundly thanked him for writing a note of encouragement. So the scripture has a powerful part in our mission. The next Proverbs 17 says, a truly wise person uses few words. I'll try today. Um, A person with understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. There's a lot of great Proverbs out there if you wanna look at someone speaking. And then the next one I wanna look at is Psalm 141. And it says, post a guard, it's a prayer, post a guard at my mouth, God. Set a watch at the door of my lips. It's Just a few scriptures, the, the Bible is very, very full. And trust me when I say that the Bible has a lot to say about what we say and how we speak. But I got a, I got a confession to make and I got a question to ask. Does anyone else in this room suffer from a disease known as verbal diarrhea? Any, 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 anyone? Hands up, come on, nice, be, be proud of your ver- Anyway, uh, no, there's a few of you out there. How many of you never raise your hands? Right? No, anyway, um, the point is, I, I have this problem. I, I, it's a disease where you, your mouth can say things before your brain is at a chance to figure out whether you should or not, <laughs> whether they should actually come out of your mouth. And sometimes it's a great strength. One of the things that's strong about it is that I like to preach without notes. The problem is that I don't always know what I'm going to say. And I don't always know what's going to come out when I start talking. Um, and so it can, be, it can be a strength, but it can be a, a danger. In fact, again, and, and I say this in all sincerity, and, and I'm saddened by the times that I've said things. And you know what I'm talking about. When I've seen in the eyes of someone I've spoken to I've seen that I've wounded them by my words. There are times where our our words can wound people and, and I've been guilty of saying things and then going, oh, I wish I could take that back. I wish I had thought that through before I spoke. So what if, what if we could get our words under God's control? What if we could allow him to have a say in what we say? But there's, there's a big problem, and the, and the Scripture talks about this, and I want to address it this morning. This is the heart of my message is this problem with this principle because if we need to deal with our words and what we say, then then the, there's an issue that we have to face in the beginning, and it's a principle that we find in Scripture um, by two distinct uh, authors, Matthew and James, and I want to look at them, and I call it the overflow principle The overflow principle, you've probably heard in Matthew uh, chapter 12, in the NIV, it says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I want to look at this because this is the, the New Living Translation, which I love. It says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil... Fo- uh, evil. <laughs> wow, that almost came out wrong. That could have... <laughs> okay. Uh, am I going red? Because that, that was uh, reading too fast. <laughs> Quite good illustration, I think. Anyway, and I tell you this. Wow. And I tell you this. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Our words matter. They are significant. We need to give an account someday for the words that we speak. So James gives it to us a little more challenging way, and he gets a little bit um, strong in his words. In James 3, we read this. It says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. That's a problem. The problem is that that James says, you can't do it. You can't get your tongue under control. No one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And he goes on to say, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So he's telling us we can't do it, And then telling us it's not okay. See the problem? It's like you can't tame your tongue, but it's not okay. It's a problem. Whoa, okay. (laughs) I'll read off here. (laughs) Does a spring of water bubble out with fresh, with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So both Matthew. And James are are talking about a principle of overflow. What comes out of our heart, and so he's saying you can't draw fresh water. And Matthew's saying out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's the problem? The problem is that it's not a tongue condition. We don't have a problem with our mouth. We have a problem in our hearts when we struggle to use our words correctly for God. Now, I mean, you can flub up your words like I already have and will again probably, but this is talking about the intentional words of our heart that come out when we're we're bumped into by the world. Have you ever been spilled on by the words that have poured out of someone's heart and it maybe wasn't so pleasant? The thing is, we can't control our tongue if we don't change its source. Look back at Matthew 12 here on the screen. It says, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. It's a heart condition. And so if we want this morning, if we want to say that our words matter and we want to get them under God's control, it's not about working really hard to control this organ in our mouth and, and to think before we speak. And, and, and it's not about your strength and your power and your works. It's actually about our heart. It's about changing the source that overflows when we speak. See, when the Bible talks about your heart, it's talking about all of you. Every bit of you, your, your soul, your mind, your being. It's talking about who you are. And so what, is, what we are overflows to the world around us through our words and through our actions. And so I want to tell you a little story. And uh, one of my Favorite jobs when I was a teenager was I had the privilege of spending four summers working for Caton's Island summer camp. Any Caton's Island kids or teens or anyone been to Caton's Island, gone to camp? Woo! Okay? We have a lot of our students who work there on the, in the summer and are passionate about that island. It's changed my life. I got saved there when I was 12 years old, and um, I'm very, very thankful for the ministry of Caton's Island, which is our Wesleyan summer camp. And when I worked there, I worked for $20 a week. <laughs> and uh, loved every minute of it, and was thankful for that twenty dollars I could spend in the canteen. They got it all back um, <laughs> and, and we had a great time. It was an awesome summer. But there was one day that wasn't so awesome. we had a sewage problem, and there was an issue with one of the with the sewer system, and so they, they brought over the professionals, thankfully, we didn't have to solve the problem ourselves, and they brought over on our barge uh, a Malanson sewer truck to pump out the sewer system. And so the the truck came over, it drove to the sewer, pumped it all out, came back down to the beach, drove back on the barge, and as it was making its way offshore, you see, you might have started to figure out that a sewage truck that's full weighs a lot more than a sewage truck that's empty. <laughs> and our barge wasn't all that great. <laughs> They've got a new one now, so don't panic if you go to Caton's. Um, but this old barge was... Kind of river worthy. I wouldn't call it seaworthy, but it was it kind of survived most of our trips. But there were times I've been on the barge where you were an inch underwater the whole way over. And so what happened was as the as the barge moved out from shore, it started to do this. Slowly tipping. Luckily. It wasn't very deep there. It was, only, it was probably about the, well, it was a little deeper, a little less than the stage. It was probably about up to here on us um, where, where it went down. <laughs> but it didn't sink straight down. Only one side of it went down. But it hit the ground. And here we have, just off the shore of Catons Island, a sewage truck sitting at about a 45 degree angle, full of sewage, and stuck. And so, the $20-an-hour workers, we got our buckets and we went out to... We w- waded out in the water and they pumped sewage into barrels and buckets. And we had the lovely privilege of carrying that back to shore and emptying this truck out so that it could float once again until the barge would rise up. Not a pleasant experience. And I'll tell you what, when we were carrying that sewage, we were really careful. LAUGHTER <laughs> When you've got a bucket full of sewage this far from your face, you are very careful. (laughs) But you're walking in the water, can't see what you're walking through. There was inevitably a few stumbles, a few bumps, and a few splashes. (laughs) And it was an unpleasant day, to say the least. Maybe you can see where I'm going with this, but the problem is that life will bump you. You will trip. You will fall. There are all kinds of things in life that cause us distress. There are tragedies. There are just challenges like running late or impossible deadlines or just irritating things from our families and friends and everything along the way. And if what we're carrying in our bucket, in our heart, is sewage... (laughs) We, we, can, we can get this attitude of, I'm going to be so careful. Some people don't care, but I mean, those of us who care, we try very very carefully not to spill what's in there out. But see, that's what it's like when we try to control our tongue. We're saying, I'm going to be very careful what comes out of my mouth. Maybe you've struggled with language or anything, and you've tried really hard to get it under control, but, but when you hit, You know your thumb with the hammer. (laughs) Then inevitably, what is in that bucket is going to pour out. You've probably been wondering what this is for. (laughs) And and I'm going to give us a little bit of an example this morning of some of these principles. This is this is my liquid sin, um, and it is. This is what our hearts sometimes look like if we don't protect them. We have this, you know it just starts to get a little bit discolored and, and corrupted, right? We've all, we all know that. In fact, none of us are really born with a pure heart. You just watch some children uh, playing together. I mean, you can watch mine. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit it, that, that, that our, our kids, you know, they, they struggle with things, we struggle with things. And all through our life, we make mistakes. And our, and our heart kind of starts to become this murky, kind of cloudy thing that we wouldn't, I don't think anyone would really want to come up and drink that. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, it's not so pure looking and we want to, you know, uh, we want to be careful that it doesn't spill out. So, wh- so what do we do with this? What do we do if our heart, the, the contents of our life are a problem? How do we solve this? And so I want to I talk about a, th- this heart condition. See, the problem is you can't control your tongue but you can surrender your heart. Don't try to be so careful you don't spill what's in. Instead, let's change what's in there and not only change it, but willingly let it spill out so that the world around us sees God's love in us to the world. See, Jesus died so that you could have a pure heart. He didn't die so that we could remain like this. I wrestle so much with with this concept that sometimes floats around the church that I'm just a sinner. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm saved by grace, but I'm just a sinner. Like, no, Jesus died so we could be set free from that. He died so you could have a pure heart and live in victory. And I believe that God wants the church of God to live in victory. And in 1 John 1.9, we see that it says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And what? And purify us from all unrighteousness. Sure, the greatest work of that will happen that day we transition into heaven, but God wants to purify your heart here and now the kingdom, now here on earth. But he had to die for that. I think it's really important, we talk about wrestling with control and wrestling with our our words. We have to understand, it's not our hard work that changes the way we act. It's actually the work of Jesus on the cross that can change your heart. You can try as hard as you want. In fact, we wrestle with it, but the first step to taming your tongue is confessing that you need a savior of your heart. The first step to becoming a person that spills out good things is confessing that we need a savior of our heart, that God can do this work and that we can't do it alone, and, and you read this in the prayer of David, who, who went through a very difficult and sinful ordeal, as he said to God in Psalm 5110, he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal and a right spirit in me. He knew that God had to change something inside of him so he would be who he wanted to be. And so we have to confess that we need God to change this heart of ours. And the second step, which is very much like it and necessary, is to trust God to do the work, to trust him to do it. See, if God says that we ought to do something, I believe he's gonna help us and enable us to do it. Do you? Because there's scripture out there that gives us commands that are difficult to follow. I'll give you one. The Bible says to be holy as I am holy. Be like God and be holy. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a problem believing in a God who would say be holy and then doesn't enable us to be holy. There's a problem there. See, if God says that your words will, are important and, and that you'll be judged on your words, then he's saying you have the ability to control what you say, but it is not in your works. It's through the transformation of your heart. And so when we invite God in, then he's gonna imp- produce incredible things in our lives. Here's, here's a picture of what it should look like when, we, when we're bumped. If we're spirit-filled people, it's going to look like this. In Galatians 5, we see the result of the Spirit of God in you and a transformed heart. You know this scripture. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Fruit is this kind of thing that should overflow and spill out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Those are things, I don't know about you, but those are things I want to spill out when life hits me hard. Those are the things that I want my, my mouth to speak. Did you catch the last one, though? I find this fascinating. I, I talk about it, the teens know I say this all the time, but it's fascinating that self-control is from the Holy Spirit. It's part of my point today. It's not, this, this is not from you. Self-control doesn't even really, the the kind of self-control you need doesn't come from yourself. (laughs) Isn't that amazing when you think about it? It's a gift of a spirit-filled life, a heart that is transformed into being like Christ, uh, that prays like David prayed to create a clean heart in me. And when we do that, then we find that we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The very thing we need to control the actions of our lives have to come from the Holy Spirit cleansing us within. Ezekiel 36, 26, if you look at it on the screen, God says to his people Israel, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. If this is the way we We kind of enter into life with a heart that is, we've got an issue. (laughs) If we have a problem, then we need to solve it. And as I've shared before, this is the solution. That Jesus is the only thing that can change our heart. And so when we surrender it to him and our lives to him, he makes a difference. (laughs) You're going, well, it's still, still a little bit dark. Give it a minute. Maybe a little bit more. (laughs) <laughs> it's always a risk with an illustration like that. But we're, I think if you give it a second, we will see some clarity in that. And, and so this is what happens in our lives. God cleans us up. He purifies our life. And so what next? What's the next step in our lives? What's your role? Do you have a role to play? And so here's the, here's the deal. Our role in this is not about governance It's not about self-control that comes from self. It's about guardianship. See, in Proverbs 4.23, the Bible tells us, tells us to guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Your heart is what comes out in your life. And so we can strive and we can... St- <laughs> thank you. We can strive and we can struggle to be good. We can work really hard at being good. And we can govern ourselves, but we will fall and fail every time if we don't recognize that the call of God is not for us to govern ourselves, but to, guardia- to be guardians of the change that he's made in our heart. That's supposed to be clear. <laughs> it's not quite there yet. Let me go again. We'll see if we can get there. We're working on it. I have a towel here just to clean myself up. (laughs) But God has given us a remarkable gift, has he not? He bought this, our lives, at a huge price. He saved us from our sin. It was an amazing thing. But but what happens is in life, we, self kind of comes back at times, doesn't it? We, we get back into maybe some old habits and some things start to happen in our lives, but the good news is, when you've given your life to Christ, it, it doesn't have an effect. When, God, when you guard your heart and you protect yourself, when Jesus is at the center of your life, it, it's, it's not able to take a hold. When we're tempted, it just fades away and we keep Jesus at the center of our lives. The problem is, things do. Happen and we start taking control back. And we start saying, now, you know what? I, I, I gotta keep things going my way a little bit. And we start to change things. And you go, oh, yeah, it's still clear, but when we take control back and then, and then temptations come and things get difficult and then the problem is these things start to, start to take root again we are supposed to. <laughs> but you can see that, that even though we've given God some control, when self gets back in the way, that sin starts to take grip again. So what do we do? We have to guard this transformation that God has made in our heart. We have to take it seriously. And, and I could preach a whole series of sermons about guarding the heart that God has forgiven and cleansed but I want to just give you a few key things this morning. And uh, I look at it this way. Guarding your heart, is it's not rocket science. I'm not about to give you guys some super mind-blowing answers. You're gonna look, I'm going to give you some things and you're going to go, yeah, yeah, I get that, I, of course. They're not, it's not rocket science, but it is rocket fuel in your life. If you want to change the way you speak and the things you say, I need to get some more in here. <laughs> if you want us to remain pure and clear, then you gotta do some things to guard your heart. And so here are some things that I want us to look at in scripture. Guard your heart with the word first. Psalm 119 says, how can a young person stay pure? Young people, are you listening? But it's really all of us, isn't it? That we, we do it by obeying your word. I've tried to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we want to protect our lives and keep our lives pure, then it really comes down to us saying to God, I want to hide your word in my heart. And when we do that, we start to put a little more of Jesus back into our lives. Once again. And when we guard our heart, the second thing, well, first of all, you simply cannot guard your heart. It is impossible to guard your heart without first filling it with the word of God. And the next thing is that if you guard your heart with obedience, that's, it's in the same scripture here. We, we hear him saying, you obey the word. It's not just enough. James says, don't just listen to the word, do what it says. Obedience is one of those things that we can kind of take for granted sometimes. We say, yeah, we believe in it, but, but actually doing what the word says is its worth. In fact, obedience to the word is what makes the word so great. When you do it, you find that it has great value, but the word ignored has no value in our lives. And so the next one I want to talk about is guarding your heart by censorship. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Censorship is one of those things that, that we all have to deal with. I wrestle with this as, as I work with teenagers. I know that I'm asking often some very difficult issues and challenges in their lives. I'm asking them to, to censor their lives. And I, it used to be when I was growing up that you just were told, This is what you do, this is what you don't do. It was like a set of rules follow this, you're a good Christian. But I I don't believe that works. I've seen so many of my friends fall away because it's really when we come to a place of self-imposing limitations, where we are willing to restrain ourselves to what God has for us and guard our heart, that's when we find a key to victory over sin. That scripture we just read is not about what not to do. It's about what we do. We need to center our lives on what is true and noble and good. We need to have those things filling us up That's what we need to pour into our lives, and there are so many times where we pour into our lives some very, very unhealthy things. Are you willing to guard your heart by censoring the things that ought not to be there? And the next thing, we guard our heart with prayer. We guard our heart by praying to God the words like Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. By having a healthy relationship with God and through prayer and time with God, we guard and protect our heart. Again, I said it's not rocket science. You're going, yeah, and we know these things. But if we do them, they're rocket fuel in your life. And the next thing and the last one is that we guard our heart with praise. With all my heart, I will praise you, God. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give glory to your name forever. Have you ever thought about using our words? We use them, again, as James said, to praise God. And if we we can make more time to praise God, if we use our mouth in an act of praise, there's less time for our mouth to be in an act of cursing and harm. You know, you speak about the things you value the most, don't you? Think about the things that you can't stop talking about. You have things that you love, and you just, if somebody, is, you know that thing that if somebody gets you talking about it, you just can't shut up about it? Everybody knows for me it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu, a sport that I love, and, and obviously God and his word. And you get me talking about that stuff, and I can't stop. I, I, I warn you, if you want to ask me about those things, I will talk your ear off. And you know what I'm talking about. So if, if our love for God, his praises are on our lips. It will guard and protect your heart. You know, as just a final thought, this didn't quite work the way I wanted it to. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's supposed to be pink, which it is a little bit. It went pink a little early. <laughs> the idea being that we're not just looking to have a purified heart. We want a heart that overflows the blood of Christ, that washes away our sin, that when people see our heart, they don't just see purity, they see Christ in us. Our words, what spills out of your life, is meant to be, evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so when we we surrender that heart to God, when we confess and we believe that God can change and and transform our heart, and then we guard it and we protect that, as if it's the most valuable thing, then an amazing thing happens. What if our words sang out for Christ? There's a story about pottery. I'm not an avid potter. But they say that when a potter bakes a pot, that they put it in the oven. And when they put it in the oven, they want to heat it up until it bakes hard and it's finished, the work is complete. And so what a potter will do is they will take it out of the oven to test it and see if it is done. And the way they test it is they thump it. They hit it. And when they hit it, it's going to make one of two responses. It's either going to make a th- thud, in which case it is not ready, or it's going to make a clear tone, it's going to sing out, it's going to sound beautiful, because it's ready. So the work of God in our lives that transform us, you're going to, in your life, you're going to be carrying around what's in your heart. Hopefully it's nothing like what I carried on Caton's Island that day. And hopefully you can carry around a purified heart that not only is is redeemed by the blood of God, but when it's spilled out, there's no shame. There's no fear. There's actually a welcome. Because what people are gonna hear and see and the words that are of our mouth will reflect our mission to show God's love in us to the world. I want us to sing this song and as we do, think about the words of John Wesley. I love this quote from John Wesley. He says, let the words, let your words be the genuine picture of your heart. As we sing this song, it's called, um, actually it's called Great Are You, Lord, but it's, it says, it's your breath in our lungs. As the church, I, I pray that we can go forward and spill out the love of Christ through our, our lips and our mouth and our actions. But it's going to happen when we are willing to confess we need God to change our source. Because it's out of the overflow of your heart that your mouth speaks. Don't try to govern it. Don't try, try to, to get it under self-control that comes from you. Surrender to the Spirit of God and give Him your heart, surrender your heart to God and let Him transform the way we speak so that the world will see the blood of Christ that has purified us and see that we are different on purpose. Amen? Amen. Let's stand, let's pray as we sing this song. And maybe this song is a moment of confession for you. Make this song an act of praise and an act of prayer. Maybe it's a, a confession. We say, God, I need, to, I need. My heart, I'm a little bit ashamed of what might spill out. If 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 life were to hit me hard today, it might come out a little bit ugly and dark. And if that's you, I just I just want to encourage you to sing this song as an act of, of faith and trust in God to do the work in your life to transform your heart. And maybe there are others of you that would say, you know, I've given my heart to Christ but I could guard it better. I could guard what I see and hear and say. And maybe you just need to have a a moment of confession before God and say, God, I wanna surrender that to you for your mission, for the mission of, of, of God that we want to do. I wanna surrender that to you. So as we sing, make this song. Don't just sing a song. Connect with God in prayer as we do. Lead us team, thank you.